Well, I heard the message this morning about 8.30 uh, that uh, Keith from the ministry center was not able to be with us today. So I scrambled to add about 10 minutes to my sermon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that unless God's Spirit clearly led me to do so. But speaking of God's Spirit, let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this chance to gather in your name, to sing praises to you, to worship you, and to hear from you. And we're eager to hear from you. So Lord, I pray that that's what takes place in the next few moments. Lord, I've studied, I've prepared, but I am fully aware that apart from you working during this time, I have nothing to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was June of 2003, and I had the privilege of going to youth camp as the assistant to the youth pastor for the very first time. And I was excited and ready to serve Christ by serving others. But little did I know that God was going to speak to me that week in a way that he never had before. And it was very early in that week that during one of the evening worship gatherings, I felt the Spirit of God leading me through the proclaimed Word of God to respond by making a commitment to serve Christ with my life. I had already trusted in Christ for salvation, and I had assurance of that. But this, this calling was, was something different. It was a call for me to commit to living my life on mission for the gospel. And it became clear with time that God was urging me, calling me, leading me, to commit to serving him in a pastoral capacity through the local church. And since that time, I have found great comfort in some of the call stories of Scripture. Moses, the man who couldn't speak well. David, the young shepherd boy. Mary, the peasant girl from Nazareth. And those uneducated fishermen from Galilee. God has made a pattern of often using less than qualified people to accomplish his purposes. And I'm delighted and I thank God that I am not dependent solely on myself and my own strengths and giftedness to carry out his plans and desires for my life. Whatever your vocational calling. God is calling all of us to live on mission. He is calling all of his people to worship him by making disciples of all nations. And this morning we're going to look at um, a very famous and popular passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 28, a passage that no doubt Many, if not all of you, have heard or read or, or, or heard taught at some point or another in your life. But I would encourage you to open up 
your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. And here in this final passage, these final few verses of the first book of the New Testament, we see that God is calling all of us to worship him by making disciples of all nations. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. This is what scripture reads. Then the 11 disciples, and remember 11 because Judas had betrayed Christ. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And two weeks ago, we gathered together on Easter Sunday to celebrate and rejoice in a risen Savior. And this morning, today, we gather to celebrate and rejoice for the same reason. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Savior, and Jesus is alive. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, Scripture says that he appeared to a number of people. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6 tells us that he appeared to over 500 people at once. And some Bible scholars, in fact, quite a few Bible scholars, get this, believe that this passage, the Great Commission, records that setting. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you were there that you were part of that crowd in Galilee, hearing these words directly from the mouth of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if you've spent much time in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or a church service, chances are you have read this passage and heard this passage taught many times. But would we respond differently if we heard it directly from the mouth of Jesus. And the reality for us as believers this morning who gather together in the name of Christ to hear the written word of Christ proclaimed, we have heard this message. We have heard these words from the mouth of Christ because by nature of being in the written word of God, This is the word of God. This is the word of Christ spoken to us and for us. And this is a command. This is a commission 
for all believers, for all people to be about making disciples of all nations. And it's important for us to understand that this is a mission, this is a commission from God and for God. It's not about us. It's not about our endeavors. And if we don't understand that, if we miss that, then we misunderstand the gospel because the gospel is all about God's grace and his love and his desire to save his people, a people that have messed up, a people that have sinned, a a people that have rebelled against him. And so we don't come to to this this knowledge on our own. We don't somehow just uh, meander down a path or wake up one day and say, I get it, I know how to to make God happy. I know how to please God. I know how to be forgiven. I know how to be right with God. And that's important because the same thing is true in our lives when we're living out this great commission. We don't do this on our own. It comes from God. And we do it because we have had an encounter with God and we cannot help ourselves. When we encounter God as the people of God, we desire to worship him. And part of worshiping him is obeying him and carrying out this mission with our lives. This is our response to encountering God. And this is why it's important that we do things like confess sin and read scripture together and sing together. This is why we have a hymn of response after the message on Sunday morning. Because when we encounter God, as we hope we do, through the preaching of God's word, through the teaching of God's word, through the reading of God's word, It's natural for us to respond to that. And I want us to see this morning three biblical truths, three foundational truths for us from this passage, the Great Commission. And the first is this. It's that Jesus Christ is worthy of worship. Jesus Christ is worthy of worship. In verse 17, when these disciples, when these followers, when these believers encountered Jesus Christ in this commission before he left the earth, this is what they did. They did the same thing that the women did on that Sunday morning when they saw Jesus. They worshiped him, verse 9 and verse 17. Jesus Christ is worthy of worship. And he's worthy of worship because of who he is. John chapter 14, verse 6, he is the way and the truth and the life. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he is the one whom God the Father has given all authority in heaven and on earth. And on earth, because of who Jesus is, he is worthy of our worship. Now, I'm not an expert in the military, as I know some of you probably are. But I do know, or at least it's my understanding, that a soldier is to salute an officer. By very nature of being a military officer, these people demand and deserve a certain response from those in an inferior rank. And the same thing is true of us when we encounter Jesus. Because he has a superior rank. 
He is God and he is king and he is worthy of our response. He's worthy of a response of worship. And so who Jesus is demands, requires a response of submission and worship. Jesus Christ is worthy of worship. And the second thing that I want us to see from this passage this morning is that true worship of Christ leads to discipleship. True worship of Jesus leads to or results in discipleship. And this is the command here in this passage, the Great Commission. The command is to make disciples, to make disciples, to make other followers of Jesus Christ. The going, the baptizing, the teaching, these are all participles in the original language of the New Testament. And they describe various aspects or components of that process of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And we do this because of who Christ is. He's not only worthy of our worship, but he's worthy of our obedience. He's the risen Lord. He's the Savior. He's the one that created us, and he's the one that that saves us. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that redeems us. And because of who he is, we obey him. We respond in submission to him. And he has commanded us to make disciples. And so that's what we do. That's what we're about, making other followers of Christ. Our children sang this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And the way that takes place is that we as the people of God in this church of God make the word of God a priority. We teach the word to our children, to our parents, to all people we see in this place. So if we're going to be about making disciples in this place, we proclaim who Jesus is through the word of God in this place. And we don't just teach Bible verses for the sake of teaching Bible verses Ultimately, we want people to know God through the Bible. And this is a command that is for all of us. The command to make disciples is not just a command for pastors. It's not just a command for chaplains. It's not even just a a command for Sunday school teachers or VBS workers. This is a command for all Christians. Disciples are Disciple makers. And I don't know who shared the gospel with you for the first time. Or I don't know who shared the gospel with you and for the first time you, you understood and you responded to it. Maybe it was your pastor. Maybe it was your pastor in your home. Maybe it was your pastor from this pulpit or another pulpit. And know that if I become your pastor, I will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ constantly from this pulpit because it is the central message of God's word. But maybe it wasn't your pastor. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a parent or a grandparent, a son or a daughter. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was even a stranger. For me, it was my father. I can remember one summer Sunday night at home before bed asking my dad about questions that that I had about what it meant to follow Christ or what it meant to be a Christian based on something I had heard 
in church. And so that night he explained to me that the gospel was the message for all people, for all believers, because we're all sinners and we've all turned our backs on God. We've all rebelled against God. And because God is perfect and holy, he must punish sin. But the good news, and that's what gospel means, the good news is that God took the punishment, that he came to us in the form of Christ, and he laid down his life willingly for us so that we could be right with him by his grace. And so that night, I, I prayed with my father, and I trusted Christ for salvation. And before long, I made that, that commitment public through being baptized in the local church. But I came to know Christ because someone, because many someones took the command to make disciples seriously. And the same is true for you if you have trusted in Christ for salvation. And we must do the same as the people of God, as the church of God. This is what God has called us to do to be about making other disciples, making other followers of Jesus Christ, making people that are marked by hearing, obeying, and responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the good news is for all of us that if we know Christ, if we truly recognize who he is as Lord, then we desire to do this. This is not a burden. This is a responsibility, but it's a joyous responsibility because of the transformation that has taken place in our lives as a result of Jesus Christ. And because worship leads to discipleship, because genuinely encountering God leads to knowing him and desiring other people to know him more, because that's the case, we must make sure that we cultivate and foster an environment of worship here at Meadowbrook Baptist Church that leads people to encounter God and hear from God and ultimately be transformed by God. We must make Jesus front and center in all that we do as a church. And so we've seen that that Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship, and we've seen that, that true Worship leads to discipleship. Lastly, I want us to see this morning that the command is to make disciples, verse 19, of all nations. The command is to make disciples of all nations. To know Christ is to want to know him more and to want others to know him more and not just in this place but across the world. I love what G. Campbell Morgan has said about this passage. He has said that it is a great and gracious and spacious commission. It is a great and gracious and spacious commission. God is the God of the nations. And because that is the God that he is, we cannot discriminate in who we proclaim this message to, who we tell this message to, who we teach this message to. It is for all people, and it is our task as the people of God to share this this message, this truth, this jewel, this treasure with all people and to be intentional about not just sharing it here, 
but across the world. And the good news for us is that we are not left on our own to accomplish this. Matthew ends his gospel in the same way that he begins his gospel. He ends it by saying, and surely I am with you always, talking about the words of Christ. Christ is with us always to the very end of the age. And back in chapter 1, verse 23, Matthew began his gospel by announcing the arrival of Emmanuel, God with us. And he ends it by reminding us that Emmanuel, God with us, is always with us. And that's excellent news for us because we're not left alone to accomplish this task. We're not left alone to accomplish this mission. In fact, we can't accomplish it on our own. We're the messengers. We've encountered Christ, and it is our task to proclaim this message, to tell this message here and abroad. But we don't change people. Ultimately, we don't make Christians. God changes people. God brings people to himself. He draws people to himself as we are faithful in proclaiming the message to all people. And so my hope, my vision for this church is that we would be a church that worships God by making disciples of all nations. That we would be a congregation that very intentionally lives on mission every day. As individuals and as a people of God when we gather together in this place. After all, that is what this passage, the Great Commission, is all about. Worshiping God by making disciples of all nations. Let's be known for that. Let's be known in the Highway 280 in northern Shelby County area as a people of God that desire to worship him by making disciples eagerly, passionately, obediently in this place and across the nations. And if I become your pastor, my desire and my pastoral leadership will include a threefold focus on the three essential truths that we've looked at right here in God's word. Worship discipleship, and mission. Worship, discipleship, and mission. And earlier this morning, we sang, Be Thou My Vision, one of my favorite hymns. And at the end of, that, of the third verse of that hymn, we declared that Jesus is our high king, is the high king of heaven. And as the high king of heaven, he is our treasure. Thou treasure my my treasure thou art, excuse me. But Jesus, this high king, this sovereign Lord, is our treasure. And we come to treasure him by, by hearing from him, through worship, by encountering him, through hearing his word taught and proclaimed, through worshiping him corporately, through hearing his word read. And because we come to treasure Christ through hearing from Christ, Let's make sure that in this place, we always hear and look to Christ. That Christ is the center of all we do in our worship. And that we continually proclaim and teach the biblical truths of God's word. This ought to be a constant place of biblical worship centered around Jesus Christ. And we do this 
Because worship fuels discipleship, and discipleship fuels mission. So let's be about living on mission. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the very clear instruction from your word to be about worshiping you by making disciples of all people. Lord, help us to be about that. Help us first and foremost to be about worshiping you, lifting high your name, and not to let anything else get in the way of that. And as we encounter you, as we treasure you, we'll be like the man who sold everything for the treasure in the field because he realized how worthy you were and how worthy of obedience you are. So, Lord, give us a desire to know you and to worship you and give us a desire to obey you. May our words, as the psalmist wrote, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer.